All right, grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And please stand as we give attention to God's Word. We get to listen to God's Word for God's people, so please stand. We will be covering all six verses today, Lord willing, so we're going to be here for like three hours, so get ready. Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod, Your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, You, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Lord, thank you for Psalm 23. It's a familiar psalm to us, and, and we know it, and we love it. It impacts our soul and our heart on a daily basis. And so, Lord, um, what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. What we have not, please give us. In your glorious name we pray, amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, uh, again, as I said, it's one of the most favorite psalms of, of, of people. One of the most loved and known chapters in all of Scripture. One of the, the most world-famous songs in all the world, Psalm 23. Both believers and non-believers maybe have heard or sung Psalm 23. It's the, it's the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Old Chuck Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said this, it's the pearl of the Psalms. I love this quote from Alistair McLaren, an old, old, old pastor. He used to preach it back in the day. This is what he said. He said, the world could spare many a large book better than this sunny little song. It has dried many tears and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. Isn't that good? It's a song that I've meditated and memorized in for a variety of reasons. But mainly, it's a song that gives me assurance. It's a song that gives me confidence that no matter what I'm walking through in this Genesis 3 world, that the Lord is with me, that the Lord is guiding me, that He is my shepherd and I shall not lack. Sometimes this, this psalm gets pigeonholed and only gets read at funerals when someone is at the end of their life. And, and rightfully so, though I walk through the valley of the shallow death, I shall fear no evil, rightfully so. But this psalm is more than about death. This song is about life. It's a song about life. It's a song about living. It's a song that will help your soul and my soul navigate this world. And as we sing this song and as we listen to this song together and applies the truth of this great song and believe the truths of this great song, the effects will be everlasting. Effects of assurance, effects of confidence, effects of joy, effects of abundant life. And so let's dive into this psalm together. I was going to do this song in two parts because it is so rich, but still we're just going to take it in one, verses one through six, and it's divide up into two, two parts, two stanzas. The first is in verses one through four, and the stanza is, the Lord is my shepherd. So look at it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so the first question we got to ask ourselves is like, who is this Lord? Who is this Lord that is my shepherd? Because if we don't know who this Lord is, then, then how do we know what, what we're going to want or not want? And of course, when we see this, we've gone through many Psalms, and we've gone through uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Lord has different names, but when we see the Lord in all caps, that is His covenant name. That is His, his personal name. Uh, it's specifically related to God and His chosen people. It's the name of Yahweh. It's the name of Jehovah. It, it literally means, I am who I am. It's His name as inexhaustible like its bearer. And when we see the word Lord, or we see uh, uh, the word Jehovah or Yahweh, we should immediately think when we back, went, went, went through uh, Exodus together. In Exodus, in, in Exodus chapter 3, where Moses gets called by the Lord for this impossible task to lead his people out of the slavery from the, the country of Egypt. And then Moses is like trying to get out of it. He's like, I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the Lord says, hey, it's no problem. I'm going to be with you. Well, Moses said, well, what name shall I tell them? Who, who, who is saving them? What, what's the name I should give you? And he said, I am who I am. And then we see what that means. 
we see that how the Lord, through Moses, again, led two million people out of slavery from Egypt. We see the, the power of the ten plagues. We, we, see, we see Him part the Red Sea and then close it back in on those that were chasing His chosen people. We see Him lead them through the desert for 40 years, providing for their every needs. When we think of the Lord, we think of His covenant promises to His covenant people, how He will guide them, protect them. We think of Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, who was thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, was in prison, and then the Lord exalted him to the second highest position in the world. We think of Daniel before the lions did and how he was rescued. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how the Lord protected them in the fiery furnace. This is the Lord. We think of the Lord who created and designed you, who knitted you in your mother's womb, as 139 says. That in Him is all power, is all creation. He is life. It is this Lord. Personal, sovereign, covenant-keeping, relational. This is the Lord who is David's shepherd. And this is the Lord who is your shepherd if you're a Christian this morning. But get this. We actually have a, a better understanding of who this shepherd Lord is. David, David's eyes, he saw dimly as he, in the Old Testament. We get to see it through the, the lens of Christ. John 10, 11 says this. Jesus says, I am what? The good shepherd. Verse 14 goes, I know my own and my own know me. So if you're a Christian this morning, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who spoke in this world came into existence is your shepherd. He knows you personally, individually. He is my shepherd. Jesus knows you and you know Him. Again, He's not a shepherd. He's not a shepherd among the many shepherds. He's not even the shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. And, and in fact, we can probably sing it the more in the first stanza like this. The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. So the question this morning is, is he, is he your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Now we're not told when David wrote this psalm. Now, most commentators think it happened when he was later on in his life and he's looking back because it's so, so rich of life experience. Like someone has walked through, been marinated in life. And so we think he, he wrote it later, back, uh, later on in his life as he's surveying his life and he sees the peaks and the valleys. And the best way that he can describe this Lord is as a shepherd. Not as a king, not even as a father, but as a shepherd. And here's the deal. If the Lord is my shepherd, if the Lord is David's shepherd, that implies something. What does it imply? That we are sheep. That we are sheep. Now, at first, we think like, oh, sheep are so attractive. They're nice and they're cuddly you know, from a distance when we look at them. But then when we get up close to sheep, what are they? Their hair is all matted, right? They're stinky. They're dingy. So I don't want to pull the wool over your eyes this morning, okay? Oh, yeah. Good, good, good. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb. You, you won't see sheep on an America's Got Talent you know, shows. You're doing sheep tricks. You won't see that. Uh, sheep sheep are, are known to go over cliffs because they see a, a green piece of grass there, so they're known to go over cliffs. Sheep can't, can't distinguish between a plant that is good for them and a plant that is poisonous to them, so the, the, the sheep will eat poisonous plants. They will constantly digest poisonous plants to... And they'll, and, they'll, and they'll die from that. Now, can you believe that? Can, can you guys believe that there is a creature on this planet that will continually consume something that will destroy them? Can you guys believe that? They're dirty. They're dirty. They're always dirty and they're always stinky. Bears, they jump in rivers and lakes, right? Birds got baths. Monkeys got, you know, they got each other to kind of help groom themselves. Sheep, they're just, they just stay dirty and effective. They're defenseless. No fangs, no claws, no horns, can't run fast, right? They're defenseless. And finally, they're dependent. They're dependent. Think about it. They're probably the only animal in the animal kingdom that needs someone to watch over them 24-7. If there were no shepherds, there would be no sheep. They're as dependent as little humans are as they're on their parents, right? And this is what David likens himself to. This is what David says we are. And it's not a knock. It's not a knock on us, so go ahead and take a deep breath. You know, I know I might have wound you a little bit. It's okay. It's not a knock. It's just reality. Do you see the resemblance? 
dumb. Look at some of the decisions you made in your life. Look at some of the decisions I made in my life. We probably made some stupid, who's made a stupid decision in here? Raise our hand. Yeah, all of us have. Dirty. Look at the sin in your life. Even, as, even in the sheepfold, even as a Christian, we still can sin. Defenseless. What if the Lord unleashed Satan on us like he did Job and be like, hey, there's Aaron, go get him. No strings attached, go get him. How would you fare? Dependent. What if God took away his provision? Just think about it. What if, what if God just took away the rain? So as we look at these, we see like, man, this is actually a good metaphor. It's a good metaphor. And so here's the question. The question is, who in the world wants to be around the sheep? Who, who in the world wants to be responsible for me? Who wants to have the chore of watching over you? And Jesus says, I do. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God says, I do. I want that job. I want that responsibility. I want those sheep to know that I am their shepherd. It's an amazing thought. So again, the question is, is the Lord your shepherd? Can, can you say this morning that the Lord is my shepherd? See, you, you, can, you can know the shepherd and the things that he can do. You can know about the shepherd, but do you intimately know him? Have you experienced the shepherd's love and guidance this morning? Because if you have, David says you shall not want. But if you haven't, then you're going to walk through this life wanting a lot. And you're going to have needs that won't be met. What does this phrase mean that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? It literally, it literally means I shall not be in want, not lacking anything. Because I, I look at that and be like, not in want. I, I, there's a lot of things that I want, right? I want the metabolism that I had when I was 20 years old where I could eat anything, right? I, I'm going to get a big amen on this one. I want gas to be under $2. Amen, right? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. There's, there's a lot of things that I want. But this means that I will have no wants. I will not be in want. If the Lord is your shepherd, then you and I have everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, Peter says. There's no qualifiers here. David doesn't qualify it. He just says this statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lie. And David went through some stuff, as we're going to see. He looks back on his life and he sees the valleys. He sees the, 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 when he was on green pastures. And again, his overarching theme, the thesis statement of his life is that the Lord is my shepherd. I never had a lack. I never had a need. This is what the rest of the psalm was about. It's about total provision, lacking nothing. And I, and, I, and I stopped the pause. You need to stop and pause and look back on your life. And I'm with David. I'm like, amen. I can say amen. I can say that since the Lord has been my shepherd, I have not had a need or I have not been in wanting. The Lord has guided and brought me through every circumstance that I found myself in, just like you. And this is what we're going to see in verses 2 through 4, the great shepherd's activity it involves. So let's keep going. <clears throat> Look at verse 2. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will have all your daily and physical and spiritual needs met. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is, this is talking about daily provisions, green pastures. It's talking about food, nourishment. It's talking about this is a place where the sheep got to go and they were, they were, they were at peace and they got to play with one another. He leads me beside quiet waters. It talks about he, he quenches their thirst. But not only that, but the soul there's, there, the word here is literally waters of rest. There's, there's a peace in the sheep's soul. Philip uh, Keller was a, was a shepherd. He wrote this book, A Shepherd Looks at the Psalm 23, and this is what he said, for, for sheep to be at peace, for sheep to rest, there, there's four things that must happen. One, they must have their bellies full. They must have, you know, they must eat. Two, their enemies, no enemies around. For them to be at peace, for them to rest, no, no enemies to be around. Three, there must be social order in the flock. Uh, no relational strife. And four, no physical uh, irritants. They must be physically healthy. And so for all that to happen, and so this is the job of the shepherds to make those things uh, for the sheep happen so that they can rest. They can have peace. 
And so see, the biggest responsibility of the shepherd was the routine of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Make sure that the sheep were, were, were satisfied, were nourished. Make sure there were no enemies around. Make sure there was no uh, strife in the social order. And make sure they got a good night's sleep. And then repeat the next day. The same thing over and over and over again. It wasn't a glamorous job. It was monotonous. It was a routine. It wasn't a sexy job. And it's the same with us. The Lord provides for you and me daily, physical and spiritual. And if we can understand this, if this could be the grid in which we see all of life, it's going to turn our hearts and our souls into worship and gratitude on a daily basis, no matter what circumstance we might find ourselves in. Every minute of every hour of every day of every year, the Lord provides for you and for me physically and spiritually. If you're around me, in particular a ministry context, you hear me report, uh, repeat two verses over and over again. Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and gladden. In Lamentations chapter 3, that the steadfast love of the Lord and His, and His mercies renew each and every morning. I say those on a daily basis because of Psalm 23, that I need to remind myself on a daily basis that the Lord is my shepherd. And no matter what I'm going to face in that day, that He has got my back. And He is going to provide for me. And in that, when I know that, I can take on any circumstance that befalls me. And I can worship Him. And I can do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do all for the glory of God because you know that everything that you and I have is from Him. It's a good gift. And just take a look. Look back on your life. As I look back, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm 50 years old and and, and I, I've looked back on my life, and, I, and I've seen that pretty much the, the theme of my life, the, the majority of my life, it hasn't been too exciting. It's been pretty routine, right? Woke up, kissed my wife, raised some kids, worked, got tired, ate some good food, had some good wine, had a good beer, went to bed, Right? And that's the routine. If you look back on your life, you're like, yes, the Lord has provided for me and my life. I've never had a lack or a need. The shepherd has provided. And most of our days were pretty calm and pretty routine. And we can sing with David as he wrote in Psalm 68. Blessed be the Lord. Even in the day of routine, knowing he takes care of your name, it should cause you to worship. Blessed be the Lord. Why? Who daily, who daily bears us up. And so here's the thought. He doesn't just meet our needs in critical times, but He meets our needs in the common times. He meets our needs in the mundane. He's intimately involved with you and me on a daily basis. Verse 3, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will have a restful soul. When the Lord is your shepherd, you will have a restful soul. He restores my soul. So not only does the Lord provide for us in the, in the common times, but also in the critical times. Also in those days of distress. Also in those days of despair. When you're in the valley, he, He's there to provide for you by restoring your soul. The idea of restore here means to, to quicken the exhausted spirit. Anyone in here ever have an exhausted spirit? I have. I have. We all have. And the exhausted spirit here doesn't have to do with salvation. We're not talking about salvation here because you're already in the fold, right? You're already a sheep of the shepherd. So this is talking about the sanctification process, the process of being in there, but the process of there. Sometimes we do tend to wonder. Philip Keller said this, it's called cast sheep, cast sheep. He said there's sometimes where us as sheep, we get stubborn in his flock and, and we, would, we would tend to then meander away from the flock and go our own path, our own way. And then we see this nice little patch of grass, but it was in like a little depression, like in a little hole. And what would happen is the sheep would go in and lay in the hole. And then all of a sudden, they would lay in the hole, and they would get on their side, and next thing they know, they'd be on their back, and they couldn't get up. And so all you see are these two little, you know, well, actually two, four little feet. That would be a weird shep, uh, word sheep. You see these four little feet just flying in the air. And what happens, gas is, you know, build up in their, in their system and the blood doesn't flow to their, from their heart to their extremities and they end up dying. Cast sheep. Sometimes we can be cast sheep. Sometimes we meander off 
from the flock, from the shepherd, don't we? We, we see this nice little depression, and we lay in it, and it's sin. It could be the sin, the depression of busyness, of lust, of gossip, of covetousness, of debt, of bitterness, of angry, being complaining, maybe alcoholism, drugs, covet too much. And next thing you know, we're on our back and we can't get up, right? Ever been there? And we spend all of our energy trying to get up by ourselves. And we get exhausted. Our soul, our heart gets exhausted. And if we don't have a shepherd that comes and rescues us, we're going to die. At that moment, the, the, the sheep cries out. And we cry out as well. And it's called repentance. It's called repentance. It's a good gift from God. We cry out to Jesus. We need help. We need, we need to be restored. And guess what? The good shepherd comes running. He comes running. He sees you on your back, legs up, exhausted. And he doesn't say like, get up, stupid sheep. No, he bends down, picks you up, brushes you off, checks you, maybe rubs your legs a little bit, get that blood flowing. He does it. He restores you with gentleness. He restores you with love. And he brings you back in the fold. Now, this is David. This is, this is David saying, he restores my soul. Let's just do a little quick biography check on David. Did David ever lay in a depression of sin? Yeah. Adultery, lust, murder. Get this. You want to talk about a, a crazy family dynamics? He, he, he lost a child at birth. So, so like some of you, some of your family, where you lost a child, he, he lost a child at birth. Not only did he lose a child at birth, he, he, had a, he, had a, he, had a, he had a son murdered by another one of his sons because his son raped his daughter. Do you think David knows what a tormented soul can be? What an exhausted spirit can be? He knows. So when he writes this, he's writing from experience. He knows the effects of sin. And he says there's only one that can restore my soul. And it's the same for you. It's the same for me. When we get in those depressions, there's, there's nothing that can save us. There's no physical, there's no material thing that can save us. There's no amount of money that we could pour into that's going to restore our soul. There's not going to be a new relationship that's going to be able to restore our soul. And it's not going to be a job. It's not going to be a, trans, uh, a, a change of season or a scenery. It's not going to be a prescription. No. When our soul needs to be restored, there's only one that can restore our soul, and that's the Good Shepherd. And, and, and again, I'm not against money, not against people, helping people. I'm not against even prescriptions if they come from the right doctor, right? And used biblically. The Lord can use all that to restore you physically, but your soul? Your soul can only be restored by the Lord Himself. David understood this. He understood a soul being crushed by guilt, condemnation, and depression. Any of you guys there right now? Some of you right now need some soul restoration. And how you get that is you cry out to the Lord. And He'll come. And He'll pick you up. He'll dust you off. He'll get you going. He'll breathe life back into you. You need the soul care of a good shepherd. So cry out to the Good Shepherd this morning. Stop carrying the guilt. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Be free. Be restored. Call on Jesus, and He'll restore you through repentance. 3B, when the Lord is our shepherd, you shall not lack guidance. Look at 3B. He, he guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Literally, he, he leads me in the right paths. The word paths here means it's a, it's a well-defined trail. You don't have to pave it. It's already been paved. It's, it's well defined. He, he knows where it is because he's walked it as the shepherd. He's paved the way. And we, we look at this. He's, he's, he's done that for us. Sheep, sheep need, again, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed, so they need a nice well defined path. And so do we as humans. And he's given it to us. He's given it to us in his word. He's given us to us through his son, Jesus this is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The, the path is clear to us, and yet, sometimes we choose to go off the path and go our own way, don't we? 
We choose to be stubborn and not believe that this is God's word that will lead us to every good work. We end up like Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, we all. You know what the word all there is? It means all. We all, like what? Sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own ways. The old hymn, my favorite hymn, says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We all have that tension in our heart, thinking that we, we know a better way than the Lord. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there are creatures out there that they know the path is in front of them, they can see it, they know that that path leads to green pastures and blessing and joy, abundant life, and yet they choose to go off that path to another path? Can you believe that? Can you believe there's creatures out there like that? Of course, you know I'm being sarcastic, right? I'm not talking about sheep. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. But why does the Lord want to be our shepherd and lead us? What is his motivation? Look at the answer. For his namesake. For his namesake. That's why he wants to lead us. And this phrase should bring you and me the ultimate comfort out of this whole song. Is that he leads us for his namesake. God is about being about being God. He is forced. He is foremost. He is prominent. I am the Lord. There is no other. In everything. God is central Every minute of every day, every time. Not me and not you. The Lord loves you. He loves you. He loves me. But we're not the most important thing. What the most important thing is God and His glory. And this is so crucial for us and so ultimately comforting for you and for me. Why? Because what would happen if Aaron Santini was at the sole focus of God and His attention? And everything was geared towards just me and my namesake and not you. Does that make you feel good? Or vice versa? If, if he's just focused on you, I'm like, whoa, 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 can I get some of you, God? He's like, no, man, I'm still focused on him. No. God being about God and his purposes and his reason, everyone gets the attention that we need. Every one of us gets his total and full attention, and we get blessed accordingly. So for his name's sake, That's good news for you, and that's good news for me. You can be assured in life that you will never lack anything if the Lord is your shepherd because you are on display for His glory. You are on display for His glory, for all the world to see how great a shepherd He is in caring for you as His sheep. When His reputation is on the line, when His reputation is at stake, you can be sure, you can be confident that He is going to show up every time to meet your need and to meet my need. He guides us in right paths, paths that lead to life and blessing. Look at verse 4. It just keeps on going. It keeps on going. This shepherd cares and loves and provides for us. When the Lord is my shepherd, you shall not lack security or protection. We live in a Genesis 3 world and we need, we need security. We need protection. There's an enemy out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and me. And Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comforted me. Here's one thing that's crucial about this. Notice that the paths of righteousness are not always peaceful paths. You mark that down as a Christian. There's a whole set of theology out there that says, if you follow me, all you have is life, wealth, and prosperity, and you'll never have any pain or suffering. No, 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 no. No, if, if the Lord is your shepherd, He's going to lead you down right paths, but they're not always peaceful paths. Sometimes there is struggle. And the promise is here that we will not see any evil. The promise here is that we don't have to fear the evil that awaits us in some of these valleys. We can be assured that we need to fear no evil because the Lord is with us and equipped to help us get through any situation. You see, sometimes, and here's another crucial thing. A lot of times when people think about, oh, you're a Christian, you're in the valley. Oh, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. You must have strayed away. And not always. Not always. Sometimes you're right in line and you're following the worn out path, but the path does lead down through the valley because the Lord needs to teach you something. So you're not always in the valley because of sin. Sometimes you're even in the valley with regards to to the Lord working in your life to make you more like Him. Or two, get you to greener pastures. Sometimes he takes you from one green pasture down in the valley to get you to a better green pasture. 
And the only way to get to that one is to take you through a valley. Sometimes you must, you and I must, go through dark and dangerous places. And so the question is, why does a shepherd lead us through the valleys? Well, one, to get, as I just said, to better grazing areas, better areas of rest, but also to prove that the shepherd is always with us. That the Lord is always with you and me. And he is fully equipped to handle any situation. Look closely again at verses 4 and 5 because there's a subtle but significant change. The pronouns become more personal. And in verses 1 through 3, it's he, he makes me lie down. He leads me. He guides me. He restores my soul. It's, it's, it's David talking about the shepherd. But when we're in the valley, when we're in the shadow of death, when we have enemies all around, all of a sudden he's talking to the shepherd. He's not talking about the shepherd and what he does. He's like, you are with me. You protect me. Because when you're, in green, when you're in green pastures and everything is cool, shepherd's out in the distance there. You're like, that's cool. He's out there. But when you're walking through the valleys, when you're walking through the, the darkness, where do you want that shepherd? You don't want that shepherd way out in front of you. You want that shepherd right next to you, right? Right by your side. That's, that's where you want the shepherd. That's where I want the shepherd in those difficult and dark times. Someone said this, God goes before us when the path is smooth, but he stands beside us when the way is dangerous and frightening. Amen. Because what's so typically scary about dark valleys, the darkness, the shadows of death, it's not the darkness per se. What's so scary? See if this is what's so scary about the 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 shadows, the valley of death is that you think you're alone, right? That's what's so scary. That's what's so scary about the valleys is you think you're alone. You're by yourself. Sometimes when I go out hunting, even though I have a partner, Drew Collins, with me, and he's just, you know, 100 yards there, and it's pitch black, and, you know, I have to go do some business or something. You know, it's dark. Dude, I, I, I wig out. Because <coughs> all of a sudden you start hearing these noises, and you're like, oh, man, am I alone? I'm not alone. You know, there's some, there's some creatures out here that want to eat me, right? You, you freak out a little bit. That you feel that you're alone, not here. It's in these moments that the Lord comes in, and it's in these moments that we are more conscious of the presence and the proximity of the shepherd, right? We're more keenly aware when we're in those deep, dark valleys that the shepherd is with us. And we are confident that we don't have to fear any evil because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is with us. Everyone knows this. Everyone in here was a kid with a parent. I had five kids. Now they're 18 through 25. But when they were younger, they used to get scared of the dark, right? Now, like I said, they're 18 through 25. They don't get scared of the dark. If they do, we got, we got problems, right? But they used to get scared of the dark. And all of a sudden, you know, we'd be sleeping. All of a sudden, they would cry out and jump out of bed and run into their room and be like, you know, ready to, to do battle with whoever or whatever, right? We're like, what's going on? It's like, it's dark. I'm, I'm scared. I feel alone, Daddy. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just lay down with them. And what happens? They're out like a light, right? Why is that? Because of the presence of the shepherd. It's the same with us. Hebrews, remember, we went through, just went through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13.5 says this, I will never leave you or I will never forsake you. Listen, if you are a sheep in the fold of the shepherd, you, are always, you always have a shepherd. He was always by your side. It can be translated this, I will never, no, ever, never, ever leave you or forsake you. This is one of the great themes of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. From Genesis in the garden, Adam and Eve, God says, I am with you. I'm walking with you in the cool of the day. To Revelation, we end up with what? God is with us. It's a theme throughout the whole Bible. If you're in the, the again, the she, uh, fold of the sheep of the shepherd, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are his responsibility. He will always be with you and for me. So therefore, we do not need to fear because of the nearness of the shepherd. But not only the nearness of the shepherd, but as one said, our shepherd is packing some heat too. He's packing some heat. He's equipped with the rod and the staff. And not only is he equipped with the rod and the staff, he knows how to use the rod and the staff. The rod was used uh, as an instrument of protection. 
It was used as an instrument of protection. It was a, a short, stubbier kind of piece of wood or a branch. It was like a baseball bat. It was like a baseball bat. And when the wild animals would come <clears throat> or the thieves would come to play, the shepherd would step up and confront them and play a little home run derby. You know what I'm saying? I would have loved to have been a shepherd back in those days. I would have loved to play me some home run derby. And when, and, when the, and when the sheep see the shepherd protecting them with that rod, with that bat, and he's whacking and, and stacking those, you know, those lines and those tires and bears, oh my, the sheep are saying something to one another. You know what the sheep are saying? They're looking at the shepherd protect them, and they're saying, that's a bad man out there. <laughs> but here's the thing about the rod. Here's the thing about the rod. The shepherd would never use it on the sheep. Would never use it on the sheep. The rod was reserved to inflict punishment, to injure. It was used on wolves. It was, it was used on those creatures that wanted to come and harm the sheep. Never would a shepherd use the rod on a sheep. And, and just for... And just for for you guys, us as pastors, we're called to shepherd the flock among us. We talked about this in Hebrew, and, uh, Hebrews, and we, and we have a rod. There, there have been wolves that have come into the crossing trying to devour uh, many people in here. And it's our job as shepherds to protect you, and we don't, we don't invite the wolves in. We, we don't feed the wolves. We don't let the wolves come in and have a drink. No, we, we, we beat the wolves. That's what the rod is for. We protect the sheep. We do that for you just as the Lord has done for us. And then you have the staff. The staff was used particularly for the sheep. The staff is the longer. It's the skinnier. Once the one has the crook on the end. And that's what the, 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 the shepherd used primarily for the sheep. And, and there's many ways, but three kind of categorical ways is for, for discipline, assistance, and assurance. That's what the, that's what the staff was for. For discipline. Because sometimes, again, sheep, we can be stubborn. And we can tend to wander off. We can tend to look for those depressions, and the, and the Lord uh, will use that little staff and kind of give us a little tap on the, on, the butt, on the butt. Again, not to inflict pain or not to injure us, but to be like, hey, hey, no, 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 for correction. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. That's not good. That's going to lead to pain and death. So not that way. Assistance. When we go through those narrow valleys, the, the shepherds sometimes will see like, when he's leading the sheep, he needed something a little bit longer to kind of direct him, tap, top him on the shoulder. Hey, go this way, not that way. Hey, uh, avoid that dark little area here. We want to stay in the light. So he uses it for assistance. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the sheep would fall down in a, in a little hole, and he, he'd use that crook to kind of pull them out. Pull them out. But this is why I love assurance. That, that, when, when, when the sheep saw that the shepherd had that, that, that staff, they were assured of the love of the shepherd. And in particular at night, they would, they would find a cave and uh, the shepherd would stay there at the doorway and there's no way else out and, and the sheep would come underneath the, the staff whew, one by one. And he'd be like, hey, hey, Fluffy, you know, come on in. Hey, tripod, you know, you only have three legs. That's okay, come on in, you know, we love you, you know. And he's counting the sheep. And he's making sure that you know, he didn't lose any sheep because that's the thing about the shepherd and the Lord. He never loses a sheep. And if there is one that goes astray, he goes after them. But he brings them all in. And once he knows they're all in, they're rested, ready to go tonight, you know what he does? He lays at the door. He lays at the door so no enemies can get in and no sheep can get out. Total protection. Total assurance. That's the staff. So we can be secure, and we can fear no evil because the Lord is with us and He's equipped to handle those deep and dark valleys. Notice real quick also it says, notice it reads, even though I walk through the valley, no shepherd is ever going to pitch a tent in the valley of darkness. You're not going to stay in the valley. There might be some seasons when you're there because it's a deep, dark valley, but you're never staying in the valley for the rest of your life. Again, he's getting you and I through the valley. Well, that's the Lord as our shepherd. Our, our next couple stanzas, and we'll rip through these real quick, is that there's, a, there's a, a change in the metaphor. There's a change in the scene. We go from the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, to now the Lord is a gracious host. He's a shepherd host. 
verses 4 through 6. We, we've been in the mountains, we've been on green pastures, we've walked through the valleys, and now He brings us into the tent. He brings us into His home. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not lack provision or joy. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. This right here, who, who, who's prepared it? Who's prepared the table? Who's prepared the meal? The Lord has. Yahweh has. God Himself has. <clears throat> he is the gracious host. And this, this idea of the Lord prepares a table, the table there, especially in the Near East culture, was that of fellowship. It was a big deal when you got invited to the king's table or the chief Bedouin's table out in the desert. It, it was a sign of, of intimacy, of close fellowship, of, of a relationship, of abundant blessing. And according to Bedouin law of hospitality, once a traveler was, traveler was received into the chief Bedouin's tent, if he had any enemies tracking him, off limits. And especially if there was a, a meal set before him, the enemies had to stay there and just wait. They couldn't touch him because you were under the hospitality of the Bedouin chief. There was no greater protection out in the desert than that. And the Lord says, I am your great shepherd. You're in my house, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No enemy is going to be able to touch you. See, when we allow the Lord to lead us where He wills and to guide and direct us, you will find that He brings us to green pastures or here. He, has, he brings us to a feast. He brings us to a table that has been prepared for us with the finest provisions, the finest drink, the finest meats in the house. Not the leftovers, the choice meats. He's not a stingy host either. He blesses us. Look, it says, our heads get anointed with oil. You know, you're out in the desert, you know, in the Middle East, it's hot, your skin dries up. Oil here would be one of the first things when, when you would have a guest, and one of the first things you would do is you'd take some olive oil and you'd rub it all over their, their dry skin to revitalize their skin. And, and it has a good smell on it because you'd come in, you know, kind of stinky after working out there. So not only was it, it would give you a restoration of your skin, it, helped me, it made you smell good. And, and if you would leave that, it would tell the, the world around you that you have just been in the presence of the great shepherd. And also some point this to maybe the being anointed with the Holy Spirit because in the Old Testament, the, the oil represented the, the Holy Spirit, especially with the priests anointing some things. And then it says the cup of wine, it, it, it overflows. Uh, the, the wine is a, a symbol of joy. And when it overflows, it's, it's, it's generosity. It's, it's abundant blessing. That would be, one of the, 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 again, one of the first things you do. Not only would you get anointed with this oil, but they would immediately give you this big glass of, of wine to re to replenish you, your thirst, to rehydrate you. They give you wine. And notice it's not half-filled, it's running over. One said this, that, 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 that the Lord gives us a generous pour. Isn't that good? A generous pour. Had to be an Irish pastor that said that, right? A generous pour. And again, this, this blessing, is it physical? Sure. There's some physical blessing. The Lord wants to bless us physically. But more importantly, He wants to bless us spiritually. So what this is abundant, this blessing, this graciousness of this host is He blesses us spiritually. You and I have been abundantly blessed spiritually. If we just look at this, we look at this metaphor. You have a seat at the table of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How'd you get there? How'd you get to the seat at the table of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Is it, is it something that you've done? Is it because you're good? Is it because I'm good? No, we have a seat at the table because God is gracious. He's a God of unmerited favor. He's a God of grace. He's a God that brings in the wandering sheep, the lone sheep, into His temple, into His house. And he feeds you. He fattens you up. He blesses you. That's a massive blessing. We are enemies and now we're called sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We were once dead, now we're alive. We were once blind, but now we see. This is abundant blessing we're talking about. There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your guilt, your depression, your sin has been dealt with by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now when He looks at you, He sees you again as a, as a saint, 
as one who's been washed as white as snow. Your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. This is abundant spiritual blessing that we have. And it keeps getting better. Keep going. Look at, look at, look at verse 6. When the Lord is my shepherd, you shall not lack a heavenly home. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know about you, but I, I preached this and read through this and studied this passage over and over and over again. But verse 6, verse 6 for me personally, out of all this, might be the most satisfying, assuring, confident blessing in all the Psalms. Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life. First, that word surely, it's like truly, truly that Jesus says in the, in the New Testament. When you, said, when you heard Jesus say truly, truly, you're like, listen up, this is true, this is true, this is going to happen. That's the same promise we have here. It's surely, this is going to happen. Surely, this is what's going to follow you. This is what is true. This is what's going to happen. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. This word follow me. It's typically used in the negative in the Hebrew about a relentless pursuit of your enemies to destroy. It's a relentless pursuit of your enemies to destroy. It was used of when uh, King Saul was chasing after David. It was used when Absalom, David's own son, was chasing after him to kill him. There was a, a desire, a relentless pursuit to destroy David. But what David does is he flips this on his head. And he says, this is the Lord. His pursuit of you is a relentless pursuit, not to destroy you, but to bless you. Again, David knew about being pursued by his enemies, but as he looks back on his life, he was keenly aware of a greater pursuit. Something, someone else was pursuing him and captured him, and that was the Lord himself. You see, Saul couldn't capture David. Absalom couldn't capture David. But the Lord, His goodness, His mercy, it captures you. And not only does it capture you, it, it kind of has the idea <clears throat> of this. Just as the, the, you know, the President of the United States, when he goes anywhere, does he ever go anywhere alone? No, he, he's got his entourage, right? He's got a security team around him. In the front, on the left, on the right, and behind. He, he's surrounded by individuals. The president doesn't go anywhere without his entourage. And get this, the Christian doesn't go anywhere without the Lord's goodness and mercy surrounding you and surrounding me. Is that not good news to you this morning? It's incredible news. The Lord's goodness and mercy guards us. Front, back, both sides. This, this, is, this is kind of Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. That when we, when we deal with sin, when sin comes after us, it says, it says in Romans 8.28, we're all familiar with this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. The all things there isn't sin. When sin and, and happens to you, he, he's, the Lord's not rejoicing like, oh yeah, sin is great. No, He hates sin. He hates sin. He's not rejoicing in the circumstance you're in. What He's rejoicing in, what surely goodness and mercy pursues us, is that the Lord will take that pain, that suffering, and in the mystery of His providence, He's going to work it out for your good and my good. Surely goodness and mercy will surround us all the days. When you're in the fold of Christ, when you repent and trust in Christ, there's never been a day in your life where you haven't been surrounded by the goodness and the mercy of God. And you'll be that way till you enter heaven. Is that not good news? Some of you in here need to hear this because you, you think what follows you all the time, what's in pursuit of you is the Lord's frustration with you, His anger with you. And that's not the case. It's His goodness and mercy. One said this, sometimes we are prone to write our sufferings in the marble and God's mercies on the sand. Is that you? I had to check my heart. Is that me? Do I write my sufferings in marble? And God's goodness and mercy in the sand should be the opposite. What we stand on is God's goodness and mercy. We write that in the marble because that's what is true. And our sufferings are in the sand. They, 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 there's a reality to it, and it's going to be there one day, but the, the wave of God's grace is going to come over, and when it goes back, it's going to be gone. Amen? It gets even better. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
This is heaven. It's another way of saying that you're going to make it to heaven. All that the Lord calls, all that the Lord ordains, gets glorified. They make it. There are no dropouts. If you are in the shepherd's fold, if you are sheep in the good Lord's fold, you will make it to the final destination. That final destination is heaven. And the best thing about dwelling in the house of the Lord, you know the best thing about dwelling in the house of the Lord is? The Lord himself is there. We will finally get to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that we get to talk about all the time. We will finally get to see him like James, John, the disciples, and Mary and Martha in the flesh, in heaven. Turn your Bibles real quick to Revelation 21. I know it's this kind, but Revelation 21. So not only do we get the Lord himself, this is the already, not yet. This is so good. Look at Revelation chapter 21. The other thing about what's so great about dwelling in the house of the Lord is this. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of, of God is with man. He's with me. He will dwell with me, and they will be my people, and God himself will be with them as their host. That's the best thing about dwelling in the house of the Lord is the Lord himself. He's going to be there, but not only that, look, who else is, look what's not there. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more, nor shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain. The former things have passed away. The other great thing about dwelling in the house of the Lord, there is no more sin, there is no more suffering, there is no pain, there is no more death. Amen? It's awesome. Can you see how this is a psalm for life? So the question is, is the Lord your shepherd this morning? Is He your gracious host? Because if He is, you will have everything you need for life and godliness. You'll have provision. You'll have restoration. You'll have guidance. You'll have companionship. You'll have security. You'll have joy. You'll have a future heavenly home. We get all this, and we get Jesus too. So today, if you come in here and you haven't repented and trusted in Christ, and you're not in the sheep in the Lord's fold, the Lord says, I have sheep that are outside outside of this fold, and I must bring them also. And today is the day for you to hear the voice of the Lord to say, come in, come underneath my, my staff of assurance and blessing and enjoy abundant life. Uh, enjoy no lacking for anything in life and godliness. And, and so there's the invitation for you to come and be a sheep, and how you get that is by confessing your sins and what Christ has done, Christ has done for you on the cross and believing in Him. You repent and believe in Jesus and He welcomes you in. He picks you up. He dusts you off. And He says, you're my sheep now. For those of us that have done that, what is our response? One, just think daily of God's provision in your life, both physical and spiritual. And then sing. Sing with David. The Lord, Jesus Christ, is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Let's pray. Father, thank You. For Psalm 23, it's a great psalm of assurance. It's a great psalm of confidence. And Lord, again, I pray if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you as their shepherd, as their Lord, as their Savior, today would be the day that they would hear your voice crying out to them, come, come to me and I will give you rest. And through them believing in you by faith and repenting of their sins, that they would they'd be a sheep in the fold of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords now a son and daughter of Christ. And for those of us that have, let us, let us sing and worship with our lives in word and deed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.